You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for some scolding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Mizutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani coming at you Sunday night. It's around 9 10 in the evening. We're about two and a half hours removed from a 40 to 3 beatdown. The Vikings got annihilated on Friday, or nope, on Sunday. Um, and it was just from the, the beginning of the game to the end, the Vikings truly never looked like a team that, that had a chance. The Dallas Cowboys came in and they just dominated from, from pretty much the opening drive and, and until the end of the game. Um, this was always going to be a test for the Vikings. It was something that I thought was not necessarily a trap game, but you see it a lot in the NFL after big, big emotional wins teams sometimes struggle to, to respond from that. And that was certainly the case today. If you remember last week, we talked on, on this podcast about the impossible 33 to 30 win for the Vikings over the bills. Uh, They did it in just dramatic fashion, almost impossible fashion, um, one of the greatest games I've seen as far as regular season goes in my lifetime. And the narrative throughout this week was, well, are the Vikings going to be able to take that emotional win, move on from it, and and be focused up for Sunday against a very, very good Dallas Cowboys team? <clears throat> um, the answer is no. They lost 40-3, to a 37-point drubbing. I think it was the worst loss at home since like 1963. Um, they were playing in the old Met at that point. Um, so it's it's a historic loss. Um, the game, you, you won't pay or watch a game on a Sunday or a Monday or a Thursday and see a beatdown quite like this very often. Um, it, it was total domination from across the board. The Cowboys had 458 yards of total offense, limited the Vikings to 183 yards of total offense. Uh, the Cowboys sacked Kirk Cousins seven times. Uh, Micah Parsons ruined the game for the Vikings, um, continued to be one of the best players in the NFL like he's been throughout this season. And on the other side of that, the Vikings generated no pressure, did not sack Dak Prescott once. Um, you look at the box score of this thing, Kirk Cousins, you're going to look at, look at this game on paper and think, oh, Kirk Cousins was bad. Um, and he was not good, but this game was not on Kirk Cousins at all, in the slightest. Um, and as I've said time and time again on this podcast, I am a Kirk Cousins critic through and through. Um, I've kind of turned the corner on him this year. I've started to give him a little bit more credit. I think it's important to give credit where credit is due. But when you look at this game, the fact that he was 12 of 23 for 105 yards, people are going to say, wow, uh, the Kirk Cousins of old has returned. What do you want him to do? 
he he got the crap beat out of him for for two and a half hours before the Vikings mercifully put Nick Mullins in the game um, to kind of save Kirk Cousins with the Patriots coming to town on Thanksgiving. Yeah, by the way, the Vikings have to respond to this 37-point blowout by playing the Patriots in something like 90 hours. So that will be a true test for them. We'll get more into that later, what to look for this week, how important this kind of uh, turnaround is for them. But let's dig into this game because I think it deserves to be talked about. Um, for, like I said, from the opening drive on total domination from the Cowboys. Vikings get the ball. They win the toss. Uh, they get the ball first. Two runs up the middle. Third down, third and three. Kirk Cousins drops back to pass. Does not feel Micah Parsons on his backside. Micah Parsons drop, chops down on the ball, forces a fumble. Cowboys in business. Um, Vikings defense actually steps up there and holds them to a field goal. Then they respond and get a field goal of their own. So it's three, three. And you're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a chance this, this is going to be close from there on out. The Cowboys just poured it on marched right down the field for a touchdown Vikings punt on the ensuing possession Cowboys next possession field goal Vikings punt on the next possession Cowboys next possession touchdown Vikings punt on the next possession Cowboys next possession field goal. Um, it was 23 to three at halftime. The Vikings did not force a punt until they were down by 34 points. Domination through and through. Like I said, um, you want to look at some of the players that stood out today for the Cowboys, Dak Prescott. Um, we had our good friend, Bobby on the podcast Thursday, Bobby belt to preview this matchup. And he talked at length about how, This offense goes as Dak Prescott goes. And today, Dak Prescott was 22 for 25 for 276 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Also scrambled around for 16 yards rushing. Uh, The offense went as he went and dominated for most of the game. Also interesting note, we talked about the the contrast of should it be Ezekiel Elliott's backfield or Tony Pollard's backfield. Frankly, it didn't matter today. They were both very, very good. Um, But Tony Pollard continues his emergence as a future star in this league. 15 carries for 80 yards, six catches for 109 and two touchdowns. Those were kind of the back-breaking plays. Tony Tony Pollard's two touchdowns. Came on the second drive of the game for for the – no, the fourth drive of the game. I'm sorry. The second drive was Ezekiel Elliott's one-yard touchdown run. The fourth drive of of the – Cowboys on the day. Tony Pollard finishes that thing off with a 30 yard touchdown reception, basically takes a swing pass in the flats and, and races down the sideline with no Vikings around him. Um, and then really the, the nail in the coffin after halftime Vikings down by 20 at that point. So you're thinking the game is pretty much over, but they were down by 17 last week against the Buffalo bills and managed to come back. So there was a small sliver of hope, I think, within U.S. Bank Stadium that if they can get a stop right out of halftime and they can march down and score a touchdown of their own, cut this thing to 20, from 20 to to 13 or 14, uh, you give yourself a chance. Uh, Instead, the Vikings get the Cowboys in a third and 14, and then Dak Prescott hits Tony Pollard on a wheel route over the top. 68 yards down the right sideline. 
they go up 27 points. And at that point, with roughly 12 minutes left in the third quarter, I had friends texting me who were at the game saying, I'm ready to leave. Um, they they did not leave. They waited until the fourth quarter. But the fact of the matter is, the truth is, they could have left. It did not get any better from there. Really, really, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a beatdown quite like this in the NFL this year. Um, it's not something... I expected it's not something I don't think the Vikings expected. I don't think it's something anyone from a national perspective expected. Um, the narratives around this Vikings team were how good are they? And then last week after beating Buffalo, everyone thought the answer was, well, pretty good. A guarantee heading into this week on the talking heads, on the national television shows, national radio shows, it's going to go back to, well, how good are the Vikings? I'm not sure how fair that is. I mean, fair is really, frankly, doesn't matter when you, when you lose by 37 in the NFL, um, you are everything and all the criticism that comes your way is, is fair. Um, this is a humbling game. It can be like Kevin O'Connell said afterwards. Um, so all of the criticism the Vikings are going to get in the next couple of days, the next few days is merited. Um, but I'll touch on it a little bit now. And then in our next segment, I kind of want to get back into this. Like this stuff does happen in the NFL too. Like 37 point beatdowns don't happen very often, but games that just kind of get away from teams. Um, I don't think this means like the season is over. I don't think this means like the Vikings were frauds all along and they're eight and two and they're going to lose, you know, what is it? seven more they're they're eight and two now and they got seven games left i you know i don't think they're gonna lose out by any means or lose six of seven down the stretch or five of seven down the stretch i still think they're a good football team i think they were a terrible football team today and when we get back we'll kind of dig more into what it means um I'm not going to keep you too long on talking about this actual game because there's really not much to talk about from a Vikings perspective. They scored three points today. They were terrible, abysmal, um, nothing to write home about. But I don't think it's something where we can write this team off. Um, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what we heard in the locker room, um, and then we'll kind of spin it ahead to uh, what to expect Thursday. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. Coming at you at about 9.20 on Sunday night. A few hours after the Vikings lost 40-3 at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys. I broke it down in the last segment, in the first segment, about how this all happened. Um, how the Vikings looked anemic on offense and putrid on defense and uninspired on special teams. And all of that added up to a 37-point loss. Talking to the guys in the locker room after the game, the the message was pretty clear, like, move on. Like, sometimes in the NFL, you, you can take things from losses and say, you know, we really need to learn this or that from this loss and this or that from this possession or this particular play, and, and we need to take those things and move forward and, and be better for it. Frankly, I'm not sure what there is to learn from this game. Um, the, the film is going to be all bad. Like, the cliche is film's never as good or as bad as it, as it looked, but like this, the film is going to look awful when, when, when they go over it. And I just don't really know what else you can really 
take away from this game. I think it's one you just have to flush. You just have to move on. You just have to say that wasn't us. Um, that's what Adam Thielen was kind of preaching post game. That was not the Vikings team that he knew. That was not the Vikings team that was eight and one entering this week. Um, that was not the Vikings team that has found sometimes improbable, oftentimes improbable ways to win games this season. Um, I think people within that locker room, within that echo chamber, that is the Minnesota Vikings. They know that this wasn't their football team. This wasn't how they play football. It was a game that got away and it was a game that they need to kind of move on from. I'm sure they will watch film. I'm sure they will find ways to shore up the offensive line. It's seven sacks is the most Kirk cousins has ever been taken down in one game. And that cannot happen. That cannot continue to happen moving forward. One news nugget, Christian Dare saw left tackle. He suffered a concussion last week against the Buffalo Bills. Was in protocol this week. Cleared to play. Suffered another concussion today. He won't play Thursday against the New England Patriots. And anytime you see a guy suffer two concussions in such a short span, you start to worry, like, how much is this going to linger? not even from a football perspective, like this is this dude's life. We're talking about, he's a young kid. Um, he's an outstanding football player. Um, but the Vikings are and should be extremely careful with this moving forward. Like I said, young kid, bright future. You can't be too cautious at this point. Um, it's, it's back to back weeks with, with the concussion, um, you, they have to be extremely careful with how they handle Christian Darisaw moving forward. That being said, he will not play Thursday. So if we want to look at film and, and talk about what the Vikings can improve upon, uh, they can improve upon their, their pass protection. It was not very good today. Um, it was a large reason that they got beat down by 37 points. You could probably look at third down defensive efficiency, Vikings, like I said, they did not force a punt until they were down by 34 in the second half. There's going to be things to learn from film, but when you have such a quick turnaround, I think sometimes, like I said earlier, like this might just be one you just say, that was it, move on. We'll, we'll learn a little bit from this this tape, but there's not much. Um, why watch it? That was not the team that we know. So I will be interested to see how they they respond to this. It's kind of their first adversity that they've faced in about a month and a half, two months. Um, you've seen them overcome little spats of adversity within games. You know, not playing very well against the Lions, find a way to come back and win. Not playing very well against the Saints in London, find a way to come back and win. Not playing very well against the Bears, find a way to come back and win. They've dealt with these micro sets of adversity on a game to game basis, but they have not dealt with large adversity since that week two loss to, to Philadelphia. Um, that was really the, that was the last loss on the schedule. They entered eight and one this week before losing to the Cowboys. It's also the last time they looked overmatched um, against a good team. But even that loss in week two was, was dissimilar from this loss to the Cowboys that loss in week two. I think the Vikings were in it. 24-7 loss to the Eagles will not give kind of the, the contextualization that they were in it, but 
couple red zone mistakes there, uh, just kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Um, Philly never really seized control of the game in the second half. They let the Vikings hang around, and the Vikings just refused to kind of take advantage of some of these things. There was no hanging around on Sunday. The Vikings got destroyed from the onset. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they they respond to this this type of adversity because it's really the the most adversity or the highest pressure-packed situation that the Vikings have been in coming out of a loss. So with Kevin O'Connell, first-year head coach, the vibes are always good. After wins, you see him <clears throat> giving out game balls to this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. And I'm curious to see how quickly he can get his guys back on the horse. Um, I'd be curious to see it in, in a normal week. You know, this is a Sunday, they lose. Monday, come back in. Tuesday, day off. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, practice. Saturday, Sunday game. I would be curious to see how they handle that in a normal week. I'm even more curious to see how he handles it this week. With the Patriots coming to town on Thanksgiving night, uh, the Vikings will host the Patriots on Thursday. So this week is going to be random, wild. Um, The Vikings... They're all probably home at this point, um, licking their wounds after this game on Sunday night. They wake up Monday morning and bang, you're already in, in, in week prep. You got Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then you got the Patriots. So this is a huge test for Kevin O'Connell. This is a huge moment for him and his career and how, how quickly he can get his guys to turn the page and move on and buy back in. Um, so I, I'm fascinated to see how he kind of handles it. Um, I wrote a column in the Pioneer Press after the game, basically saying, like, let's see what the Vikings are made of. Let's see what Kevin O'Connell's made of. Like, he's been pushing all the right buttons to this point. Can he push them now when when it's hard? Um, winning, it makes things a lot easier. When you start to lose or when you have to deal with a loss and respond to a loss, it's, t- it's tough. Pushing those buttons are not necessarily as easy as they are when you're winning games in incredible fashion. Let's see what Kevin O'Connell's made of. Let's see what this offense is made of. Kirk Cousins, awesome in crunch time this year to, for the most part. Uh, his most successful year since he arrived in Minnesota. Had him playing eight and one, had had all the vibes feeling really good. Can he respond after getting, like I said, beat up for three hours, getting sacked seven times, you know, having no time to throw, no time to make reads, and and therefore having no sort of production. Can he bounce back? Can Justin Jefferson bounce back? This is a guy who's been dominant. Arguably the best player in the league at his position. 33 yards today. Not good enough. Can he bounce back? Can the offense bounce back? Let's see what the offense is made of. Let's see what the defense is made of. This is a defense for a long time. I've said it on this podcast. They play the bend, don't break style. If you bend enough, you're going to break eventually, and they broke today. 458 yards of total offense for the Cowboys. Let's see what the defense is made of. Can they respond in in a shortened, condensed week? Um, This is a huge week for the Vikings. Um, Every week moving forward is going to be big, but you look at what they've done Prior to this week, the 8-1 and one record that spoke for itself, getting that national recognition, 
deserved national recognition to, to me. Um, but really not having to test their metal at any point until right now. So let's see what they're made of. I'm, I'm, I'm very fascinated to see how they're going to process this and move on and move forward. And will they be better for it? Is this something where in a month we're going to say the Vikings have bounced back. They look like an NFC contender. And we point to that Dallas game as a turning point of like, that was a wake up call. They figured it out. Now here they are. Or are we going to look back on this in a month and say, the Vikings really fell off. And that was the beginning of the end for this team. It could be either or. I really kind of doubt it'll be in the middle. I think it's either going to be they bounce back in a very, very dramatic way or they fall by the wayside. I still think this is a good football team. When we come back, we'll talk about kind of where they stand in the the kind of scope of the league as a whole and the scope of the NFC and the scope of the NFC North. Um, It might feel like the sky is falling right now and probably should feel like the sky is falling a little bit after a 37 point loss. When we come back, I'll bring a little perspective to this situation, show you that it might not be as bad as it seems on the surface when you wake up Monday morning and you look at the standings. Um, I think you're going to get a little bit of reprieve mentally um, when you can kind of take a step back from this game. Um, When we come back, we'll dig a little bit more into that. I think it's important to talk about before we kind of press forward into this. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, flying solo today. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a follow. We're anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. If you're following us, anytime we drop an episode, it'll end up right on your phone, right on your computer, right on your iPad, whatever device you use to listen to podcasts. If you're subscribed, if you're following, you won't even have to look for us. It'll just pop up. So shoot us a follow give us a rating, give us a review, Um, whatever you guys like about this show. I'd love to hear it. Whatever you'd like more of, I'd love to hear it. Um, We're interactive. We like to go back and forth with our listeners. So follow us, interact, review, Um, all of that helps us. And I think it helps us help you in, in the long run too. So maybe you don't want to talk about this week and that's fine too. 40 to three loss. I might not want to talk either. But before we wrap up on this weekend recap, this weekend summary, um, this kind of look back at what happened on Sunday, I want to give some big picture perspective. All right. Because while it might not feel like it, the Vikings are still eight and two. They built themselves such an incredible cushion coupled with the fact that like, the NFC North is just terrible this year that like it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things that they lost by 37. All that matters is that they don't snowball from here. If they come back on Thursday night and they beat the Patriots to move to nine and two, and then 10 days later, they beat the jets to move to 10 and two. The the 37 point loss of the Cowboys is always going to be a talking point, but I think it's going to be something that we look back as more of a blip on the radar because of the cushion that they've, they've built for themselves to this point. So I think it's important to remember they're eight and two. They're four games up on the, on the Detroit lions who have won three straight actually 
the Detroit Lions have the longest winning streak in the NFC, which sounds crazy, but they do. The Detroit Lions are second in the NFC North, and they are four games behind the Vikings still. So a lot would need to go wrong. I think there's some Minnesotans out there who are a little gun-shy to buying in and getting their heart broken, and they're thinking, oh, no, 37-point loss, like, this is it. Like here, here they go. They're going to, they're going to fall off immensely. And, and this is going to be yet another implosion. I don't think you're going to have to worry about that. I think it's important to remember this team was eight and one for a reason. Yes. I, I get it. The critics are going to say like a lot of these wins improbable, a lot of these wins unsustainable, but they were eight and one. They got to that point. They built themselves this cushion of insurance where I think the NFC North is essentially has been won at this point. The, the Vikings obviously need to respond from this loss in, in a positive way, in a way that makes sure that it's not a recurring theme that makes sure there's no after effect to, to such a humbling experience. But I don't think it's something that's going to linger to the point of like falling off. And now the NFC North title is in danger. Like, the Vikings have built themselves such a cushion that I think losses, however brutal and, and gruesome they may be, they all count the same. And the Vikings, frankly, were not going to finish this season 16-1. and one. So there was going to be some losses along the way. The Vikings are still 8-2. They have the second-best record in the NFC right now, behind only the Philadelphia Eagles at 9-1. and one. I think this loss hurts because some people thought after Philly lost last week that the door was open. Philly loses to the Washington Commanders last week on Monday Night Football and people within the Minnesota Vikings community and in the Twin Cities community and any Vikings fan nationally, internationally thinking, oh man, the one seat is up for grabs. Deep down, I don't know if the one seed was actually up for grabs. Um, that Eagles schedule is still pretty soft. I think it would have taken not only the Vikings playing almost perfect football the rest of the way, but the Eagles faltering off quite a bit for the Vikings to attain that number one seed. So if that's something that you're you're exiting this game thinking like, well, they just blew their chance at the number one seed. Like, I get it. I understand that. And I sympathize with that. But like, it's something also that I think was was almost a pipe dream to begin with. So they're eight and two. They look well on their way to winning the NFC North. They look well on their way to being able to host a home playoff game of of some sort. Um, and as long as they bounce back, I think you're going to be feeling fine about this team. We looked at this month long stretch, starting with Buffalo, continuing with Dallas continuing with New England Patriots on Thanksgiving and then ending with the New York Jets, who are a lot better than I think a lot of people expected at the beginning of the year. We looked at that schedule a month or, you know, heading into this this pivotal month, and we said, like, this is what we're going to learn a lot about the Vikings. <clears throat> well, they started that month off by beating Buffalo, and now they've lost to Dallas. I don't I don't mean to keep belaboring it, but in 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 terrible fashion. Now you you move ahead. You just move on, and and you look at the Patriots. You look at the Jets. Um, if the Vikings can still get out of this month by notching wins over the Patriots and Jets games, they absolutely should win. 
<clears throat> then you look at it and you say, we went three and one in this month. That was going to define how good of a team we are. <clears throat> we beat the Buffalo Bills along the way. Sure, we got destroyed by the Cowboys too. Um, but we shook that off and we came back and we beat the Patriots on Thanksgiving in a short week. And we beat the New York Jets. If the Vikings can say that to themselves after this month in response to this brutal loss, then I think they will be feeling good. Now it's on them to kind of make that the narrative, right? Because right now the narrative is they just got destroyed by the Cowboys. That's all everyone's going to talk about. Lucky enough for them, they play in four days. So they play the Patriots on Thanksgiving. That's going to be a huge game. That's going to be one that we are going to break down kind of at length. We've got a couple special guests coming in. Um, I know Chad Graff used to cover the Vikings for the athletic. He is in Boston. Now we're hoping to have him on. And we have another friend, Nicole Yang covers the Patriots for the, the Boston globe. Hoping to have both them on this week. They will both be in town. We're going to get to have Thanksgiving dinner at us bank stadium on Thursday. So we're hoping to have them on this week to kind of break down this game. But that game is one the Vikings got to have. If they don't have that game on Thursday, if they come back from this 37-point loss and they drop the game at home against the Patriots on Thanksgiving, I will come on this podcast on Friday and I will let you sound the alarms all you want. I'm here to bring a little bit of perspective to this week right now on a game that borderline unwatchable, but in the grand scheme of things, I think we can look back on maybe by the end of the season thinking, okay, that was bad, but they were able to respond out of that. We will see how they do with that because like I said, this week is a huge test for them. The Patriots coming up on Thursday and then 10, 10 days after that, the jets. Um, but right now the Patriots are the focus. The Cowboys game is in the past. It's not one that they are. They're going to want to think about or, talk much about or learn much from you just rinse that thing you flush it you move on you focus on the patriots on thursday and we'll be back later this week we're going to record on wednesday to talk all about this game it's just something that i think when you look back on this season you're going to be thinking about how they responded to the dallas game more than the dallas game itself so incredibly fascinated with how they how this week is going to go that's all I got for tonight. Not going to hold you guys for too long. Not much to talk about based on that loss and that performance from the Vikings at home. Um, but we will be back later this week to break down everything. We appreciate you stopping by. Talk to you in a few days. For Dane Mizutani, Inside Purple and Gold, I'm out. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 